You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. And welcome into Saxon in the Basement. My name is Chris Lanuti, bellying up to the nine-foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. My co-host, my buddy, my pal, my chum, Ed, is not going to be on this episode. If you miss his voice, remember every episode is available wherever podcasts can be found and always at SaxonTheBasement.com. There's plenty of good stuff over the past few weeks since the White Sox were eliminated from the postseason that we put together. If you missed any of it and you're now back, go back. Take a look at our breakdowns. When it comes to pitching and hitting and free agency and all that good stuff, it takes every fan their own amount of time to figure out when they're able to come back to talk about their team after a postseason elimination. Maybe you're back for the first time. We have not stopped. Get it again at SoxInTheBasement.com or any podcast player that you prefer. This is all brought to you by Family Waterproofing Solutions. You got concrete rising and falling and cracking, foundation cracks. Your gutters are filling up. They actually clean those out now. They do drain tile systems, yard drainage solutions. They take care of your window wells and covers for that. Your sump pump. Boeing walls, you name it, they're going to take care of it. They're going to keep you dry. They're going to make sure your home does not have the big problems that cost the big bucks. Take care of your issues right now before they get worse. 10% off from now through November the 30th for customer appreciation. And remember, you get money off as well for mentioning socks in the basement. 24-7, give them a call, 708-330-4466. Check out all they have to offer at FamilyDry.com. Jason Martinez from Fangraphs is going to be joining me shortly. We're going to have a conversation not only about what his site does and the roster resource section, but what it actually shows you when it comes to planning for this White Sox offseason. If you have ideas as to what you would like to do, remember you can reach out to us at SoxInTheBasement.com. There's a microphone. You click on, you leave a voicemail. You can leave comments as well. You can pick up your phone, give us a call, 708-459-8406, and leave a message. We get that. I'm going to read one of the messages left at SoxInTheBasement.com. Jorge Santiago wrote us, Love your podcast, born and raised on the South Side in Blue Island and a Sox fan since 1971. I love the Sox. We finally have a World Series contender, Sox all-in blockbuster, and this is the suggestion that he gives because he wants to get better defensively and he wants playoff experience, and he wants to hurt a foe, as he says in this message. He wants the White Sox to go after Carlos Correa, move him over to second, or move T.A. over to second and put Correa at short and add Graveman, their big relief pitcher, or one of their very good relief pitchers. And I love the sentiment of stealing from somebody that hurt us. I mean, the White Sox did that last offseason. They got beat out in a best-of-three series during that weird pandemic playoffs by the Oakland A's, so they took their closer in free agency and they grabbed Liam Hendricks. So there's something to be said for that. It didn't get you much further, but you were a slight improvement instead of a wild card. You won a division. Uh, you still only won one game, though, in the postseason. We need bigger improvements. And I'm going to tell you something. Correa is a great idea, even if he is a cheater. But the problem is he's going to get a ridiculous amount of money. Like, remember Francisco Lindor's, like, $340 million contract or whatever he got in there. Guys like Seager and Correa, that's what they're aiming for. And they're not going to be an easy sign. 
And they're going to be one of those signings that's going to wait like the entire offseason. And do you want to be held hostage when you know you don't have the budget to go big with those guys? And there's plenty of other middle infielders that are out there. Like Trevor Story would make sense. Yeah, he's a shortstop. But again, any shortstop, any second baseman, pretty much you're trying to get the best you can get out there that fits your team because you can move that guy to second base. I like Marcus Semien. We talked about that in the last few shows, but Marcus Semien just went out and got Scott Boros as his agent, so cross him off your list. Like, I, I hate to say that, but just, just cross him off your list. The White Sox don't play well with Scott Boros in free agency. It just adds to the difficulty. It's like playing a video game and putting it on the hardest setting. And so, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to get into that. Maybe we'll get into it with Jason Martinez from Fangraphs. The other thing that you have to think about, though, before we get to Jason is the looming CBA expiration. The collective bargaining agreement is going to end in Major League Baseball on December the 1st. Rumors already that GM meetings and winter meetings and all that stuff is going to get postponed or canceled. And I think it's a lot of posturing right now because it doesn't make a lot of sense for either one of these sides to have a work stoppage or one that lasts for maybe longer than a couple of weeks. Now, I have an interesting insight into how negotiations go. And I know a lot of people on the radio will try to present themselves as experts. A lot of baseball writers are going to try to tell you they're an expert in this because they've covered it. But they never sat in a room during a union negotiation. I have. In fact, after my radio career and before I started doing podcasting, I spent 10 years in the Cook County 911 Center. And for a majority of that time, except for when I was a boss in my first year as a probationary uh, member of the department, I was a union steward who quickly became the president of their union. And I finished off one contract in negotiations. I negotiated a completely different contract over a period of years. And I won a major grievance that gave everybody like this massive raise because of something the county had done that had violated the contract that we had and won this grievance. And it probably cost Cook County like a couple million dollars over the next 10 years. Like I was involved in those things. So involved that I was the guy at the head of the table for my side of the negotiation. I was labor. The other side was, was management. I would deal with the attorneys. I would deal with the, the people who represented Cook County's government. And I was sitting there. I would have an attorney next to me. That's what I used to do. I worked as a 911 dispatcher, but I was the union boss. And, you know, you see union bosses all the time when they get a microphone thrown in front of their face. They're, they'll sit there and they'll talk a lot of junk and they'll be real tough. Nobody ever put a microphone in front of my face while I was doing it. But I get it. You have to present yourself as wanting A, B, and C and being unbending when you start a negotiation. And both sides do that. Both sides walk in, they offer something they know they're not going to get, and they just hope to find a place in the middle. But the real goal of negotiations, and take it from somebody who's done this, you want to come out looking like you won. For management, and in, in, the, ter in the case of Major League Baseball, what they want to do is the negotiators for Major League Baseball have all these bosses, all these owners, they all have this input. They all have what they want, okay? And you have to make them happy. So the negotiator on MLB side is never going to agree to anything in the room without first getting pre-approval or going back and getting approval from the owners. That would be how I would expect this to work. That's how it worked in Cook County. The guy that sat at the other end of the table from me never had any authority. He acted like he had authority, 
and he would like an idea, but then he'd have to go back and talk to somebody who's in charge. You know, he had to talk to the, to the big guys at some point. And I'm telling you, that probably went all the way up to Tom Dart in the county. I mean, like there was a point where the guy who was supposedly the head negotiator and he could make any decision would get to a point in negotiations and say, yeah, I can't approve that yet. I'm going to have to go have a conversation and come back to you. Sometimes it would work and sometimes it wouldn't. Now, on my side on labor, I had to get suggestions from all the people that were part of my union. And I'm sure that's happened with the Players Association. The thing is, everybody's got an opinion. Everybody's got something they think is the most important thing. They're never unified, a union. There's always somebody with this idea or that idea. They actually infight a lot. And as a union president, you want to find something that benefits your group, but then also something you can go back and sell to your group. Like you can negotiate something. You bring it back to the union. They'll go, we're not voting on that. That's how strikes happen. That's how union negotiations break down. A good union negotiator is not going to agree to anything in the negotiating room if he doesn't think he can sell it to the people that he's, he's representing. So right now you have these two groups and the negotiators sitting down and there's been proposals that are being like handed back and forth. And they're giving like the initial outline for what each group wants. And they're nowhere near what the other side has. And now you start to negotiate. I find it really interesting. Major league baseball is, is instituting in their initial proposal, a salary floor. This is something that players, some players want, not all of them do. Some players want, because if there's a salary floor, you can't have teams that carry $40 million payrolls. So they're going to have to go out and spend money. That means guys that, you know, are, are fighting over middling dollars, they're, they're going to get not only signed, but they're going to get more money than they would expect. The problem is they want to lower the luxury tax. They want to bring it down to $180 million. I mean, the White Sox would be at this point getting close to the luxury tax if that goes down. They're not in danger of it right now, but they'd be getting close. And the players see that move and they go, oh, well, hold on a second. This is like a salary cap. The other interesting thing that Major League Baseball proposed, and this is according to several reports that you can look up, is that you don't become a free agent until you're 29 and a half years old, no matter what. But that also means you can't manipulate service time. So at 29 and a half years old, a guy becomes a free agent. Guess what? Aaron Judge, if this were to pass this offseason, would be a surprise free agent all of a sudden. Like he wouldn't, he wouldn't be with the Yankees. Like that's crazy, but it's true. Like it's going to affect the offseason because there might be guys that all of a sudden become a free agent. Now, Players Union again looked at that and said, whoa, hold on a second. What about the younger guys? What about a guy like Vlad Guerrero Jr. who's like already in the majors or Wander Franco? These guys are in the majors collecting service time. They're going to have to wait on the same team doing arbitration for far more years than what they expected to, to get the 29 and a half. And what it would say is, look, you don't want us to manipulate service time. We just want up to a certain age that we know that you're on our team. Now, that's what the owners have supposedly proposed. And there's, I'm sure there's other things that they've thrown in there. And now the players have to figure out, well, what do we want? And I'm sure what the players want is we want everything to be exactly the same, but we want to make, we want to make more money and we want to be free agents quicker. Like, you know, and that's, that's great. I mean, look, what would you want if you were, if you were in a job and you had to go into a negotiation, I had it with the 911 dispatchers. What do you guys want? We want to work less and make more money. We want more time off and we want to work less hours and we want to be able to take off more days. And we, so we want to work less. We want to make more money. That was always what everybody wanted. Now I can't walk into a negotiation and say, Hey, guess what? My group, my group would like to work less and make more money. 
I would throw all the crazy suggestions out in the first meeting. I would always do that. I throw out every crazy, ludicrous, stupid suggestion that somebody gave me. And I would say with a straight face at the negotiating table, because I knew I was going to get stuff that was going to get shot down because they're going to ask me for ridiculous things as well that I'm going to shoot down. So that's what happens at the beginning here. So when you're reading this stuff, I kind of go with what Jerry Reinsdorf said of the White Sox. And, I, and I'll end this discussion for now with that. But I'm telling you, no matter what happens here, I'm going to have some interesting things to say about this because I've gone through these big negotiations before as the guy who made the decisions for one of the sides in the negotiations, who represented an entire group. But Jerry Reinsdorf said something uh, very interesting the other day, and he was doing the interview with NBC Sports Chicago. And he said, first, look, these deals get made in the last week. It's the same thing with players, contracts, and arbitration. They all settle on the last day. Reinsdorf also calling the last offer a fair offer. He didn't expect them to take it, but he thought it was a good offer to negotiate off of. And that's what you want to do when you make a proposal. And I'm sure the players will make an offer and say, this is what we want to negotiate off of. And then we're going to see what happens. There's going to be grandstanding. There's going to be all kinds of talk about it's not going to happen. You're going to hear rumors that baseball is shutting down. It isn't going to be back until the end of spring training. These sides are super far apart. I'm telling you right now, after the shortened, the, the, one of the positives of the shortened pandemic season in 2020 is that it hurt baseball players and baseball owners so badly that it reminded them of the consequences of not getting a deal done. And so I think there'll be a deal. You know, I get muscle aches all the time. I've gone from being able to do whatever I want to and not feeling any pain to basically getting pain for any kind of physical activity. Good news, there's a local family-owned Southside business that provides a CBD topical that will not break the bank. Creaky Bone Balm offers concentrated relief for creaky bones. It is an effective hemp-based CBD in a rejuvenating balm. And guess what? It's made in small batches, always free of preservatives, and all natural ingredients. It's great for muscle aches, tension, inflammation, joint pain. You can even use it for skin ailments like burns and dry cracked skin. Right now, go to creakybone.com and use the promo code BASEMENT. Get 20% off your order. And now check out the new 2,500 milligram balm with reduced pricing on their classic balms right now at creakybone.com. Joining me on the phone line, he's from Fangraphs, roster resource to be exact, uh, all part of Fangraphs. He's been on the show before. Jason Martinez on the line. How are you, Jason? I'm doing great, Chris. Thanks for having me on again. Hey, I, I love it when you come on. It's just kind of fun to kind of look at how you're breaking down the White Sox roster throughout the year. It's interesting before the season starts, like trying to figure out, well, where does this team project? How do they how do they stack up when you look at their roster compared to other rosters? And now as we go into the offseason, you had to do an awful lot of prep here. Uh, you know, first as the regular season ended, and then when teams were getting eliminated like the White Sox in the first round to kind of set up everything to go into the offseason. And when you look at how things are broken down with the White Sox roster, and I know a lot of people love to use fan graphs for uh, grabbing different statistics and, and ways to compare different players, but also your roster resource section that's in there is a great way to kind of just see everything that's going on with the Sox. Who's up for arbitration next year? Who, who's got an option next year? Uh, where's the money all at? How does everything line up? Here's, here's the outlook for the next three, four, five years when you're trying to figure those kind of things out. How complicated is it for you to put all this together? Um, not, not so much. I mean, I've been doing it for a long time. So I think, 
I mean, a lot of this stuff kind of makes sense to me, and you kind of you kind of see it all coming together. You kind of know who's who's eligible for free agency, who's going to be, who's our eligible, and you know, and things things have changed during the season pretty quickly. So you can you can you can look at a guy and go, yeah, that guy's definitely getting non-tender. They're not, you know, or they're not going to pick up that guy's option, uh, you know, back in July or August, and then you know, all of a sudden has a great September, and you go, oh, that's that guy's definitely getting it. You know, he's definitely getting offered a, a contract. So um, it does change a lot. But once the offseason starts. It's that it's the only time for me, um, especially during the playoffs, where the tip of the teams are already done. Like almost nothing happens. There'll be some guys outright off the forty man, but for the most part, you can kind of step back and t- take a break, and you go like no- nothing is going to happen. So I can just really spend some time on this team, on this roster, and go okay, this is this is where they're starting at this offseason. Especially when you look at a team like the White Sox. It's very, I think they're in a very similar situation at the major league level as they were last year. When you look at their roster and you go, they're already pretty good just, just at, the, at the beginning of this offseason. They're heading in there in pretty good shape. So now the questions are surrounding, like, what do they think of guys that are already here? You know, because you can look at, at that roster and go, like, oh, yeah, there's room for one big bat here. There's room for a big, you know, for another starting pitcher. I wanted to ask you, when you're coming up with uh, the projections when it comes to payroll, I find it really interesting as a fan and, and also a person that has a podcast who, who talks about these things, it's interesting that depending on what page I go to, everybody's just a little bit different in how much they think that the team is spending that year or what the everybody always puts estimated in front of payroll. Why is it so complicated for everybody to try to figure out exactly what the White Sox are are spending? How do you guys come up with your payroll number? I think you have them right now. At estimated 2022 payroll right now of 155 million dollars. So where do you come up with that figure, and and uh, is that including like arbitration estimates? Take me through that. Yeah, so it includes all the everything, every estimate. So we can never have an actual number on on the estimate. It's just it's, you know everybody has the same. You know we had like another effort for luxury tax purposes. I think there's certain costs that are pretty pretty similar to all the teams. Uh, I don't know if it's like an extra. 10 or 15 million, but, but for the most part, you're looking at, um, you can look at the guaranteed contract only and you go, okay, well, I know how much is guaranteed. And then, you know, that stuff can get tricky as well. Cause depending on how it's paid out, you know, and how it's spread. And, and, and so we spread it out based on, you know, let's say somebody gets a hundred million and they get, they get 10 million up front. And then we, you know, we, we spread out that 10 million over, you know, if it's a five-year contract, you spread that 10 million over those five years. And then you, you know, and then a lot of times it is reported the exact salary each year. So on top of that is the bonus. So that's, that's a little tricky as, as well. And then you get to the uh, arbitration. Uh, and we take those from MLB trade rumors, uh, Matt Swores, the guy uh, who, who's been doing arbitration estimates for 10 or 11 years over there. He's really good at it. And it, and, and it's just really good good thing to look at and say, you know, even, even if they end up being off, which we don't, we don't know what's going to happen in negotiations. It's just a general idea. Like this is probably around where he's going to get based on a lot of different factors. So you can take all the guys who are, you know, eligible for arbitration and you go, okay, there's, you know, in, in the White Sox case, I think we have about 19 million um, for arbitration eligible players. And then you can look at those guys and go, okay, this guy's probably going to be non-tendered. Evan Marshall, uh, projected at 2.3 million, and I think he's having Tommy John surgery. So you look at that guy and you go, okay, non-tender candidates, not, you know, that's for sure. He's going to be a free agent after one more year anyway. So 
you can you can look at that and go okay take off that 2.3 million projection there um, and then with the with the players who aren't yet eligible for arbitration you know it's going to range from from the league minimum at about 570,000 up until up until 600,000 sometimes they'll go a little bit you know beyond that for the superstar guys and so we just kind of put a um, you know an estimate for for all the guys that we don't have numbers on when you're trying to figure out what you have as a fan and what you can move around and what you can do, you guys kind of break that whole thing down, which I find really, really interesting. So what do you think, as you look at this team, is the biggest need on this team? I think most White Sox fans are thinking second base and right field and that they may need to make some changes in their starting staff. They may need to make some changes just in the makeup of the team. But when you put this together, looking at it from the outside uh, and looking in, what do you think? The thing that stands out, there's two different uh, perspectives here because you can just look at it and go, because if you're thinking like, uh, you know, which, which, which big name players are we going to add? You're going to look at probably second base. You know, do we go after Marcus Simeon? And one of the bigger name creates the hobby bias. Um, you know, and there's a bunch of middle influencers or, you know, Chris Taylor, you want somebody more, a little bit more um, versatile. There's a lot of options there. You know, if you're targeting a big, one more big bat, that's the obvious move right there. I'm not sure if, if Moncada would, you know, if they move Moncada to, to second base, to open third base for, for a guy who's more comfortable at third, but I don't think that's the case. I mean, he hasn't played there in a while. And he wasn't very good there. Like, when you look at his defensive metrics, he wasn't very good there. Right, so there's a reason, he, you know, he moved, they moved him out of there. From another perspective, I look at it and say, look, I, I think the biggest um, need here is probably starting pitching depth. Although you already have, you know, you probably you can call it the big the big three and Lance Lynn and Jolito and Dylan Cease and Dallas Keuchel, you know, despite the struggles at the end of the year, I think you could still look at him and go, look, the solid back of the rotation guy. Um, and so, so you got your four there. And then the biggest question is going to be, do they, you know, I, I think it's probably time to, to make a decision on Michael Kopech is like Garrett Crochet is probably in the same boat as well. Because, you know, with a lot of these guys, these top pitching prospects who you use out of the bullpen earlier in their career, once they start dominating out of that role, it's kind of like hard to, it's hard to move them out. And you go, it's, they're pretty valuable there. So with that opening right now, you, it's pretty easy to just say, well, if Michael Kopech, if we believe in him as a starter, then he, you know, he's going to be the front runner for a rotation spot. But, you know, after that, you, you don't have ton of, of, of starting pitching depth. You know, you got guys like Jonathan Stever and Jimmy Lambert, but there's not much there. So, so what, you know, even if you got your starting five going into to the off season and you can pencil those guys in, you're comfortable moving Kopech to the rotation. Um, what happens if one of those guys gets hurt, you know, and, and you can just look around the league. <laughs> it's not just one guy. It could be two or three of those guys that gets hurt. And then you're just, your season falls apart. Hey, Sox fans, in the Southwest suburbs, Davern's Tavern and Lounge in Justice, Illinois, has something for everyone. Located at 8527 West 79th Street, they have this large back party room to host an event for up to 150 people. They have a massive outdoor beer garden, horseshoes, cornhole. In fact, they host the Midwest largest blind draw bags tournament every Monday night with a major and minor league. All skill levels are welcome to Man Cave Mondays and live music with DJs on the weekends. Chicago Bears fans, there's free food during all Bears games. 
and Davern's is a White Sox bar. During Sox games at Davern's, $2.50 Miller Lite bottles, $2.00 UV bombs, $12.00 pizzas, 8527 West 79th Street. Learn more at DavernsTavern.com. You know, one of the more interesting things that I always like when I when I go on your roster resource pages uh, over at Fangraphs is when you do the 40-man roster breakdown and you're able to see how the team was constructed and you can see that the White Sox currently on their roster have 17 homegrown players and six free agents and nine guys via trade and two guys they grabbed off of waivers and one guy was a Rule 5 selection and currently the 40-man sitting at 35. It's such a quick reference to be able to do it. When you're doing these pages, is there any team that you come across or that you've come across maybe this year or last year where you go, they've got like three homegrown players, that's insane, or they're like they're all homegrown? Or like, I mean, is there ever once in a while where you're putting a team together and you're just astonished by how they're actually constructed and it's different from everybody else? I I think, I mean, it's been, it's been uh, interesting how quickly some teams can flip from, from that homegrown to trade. Like you see what the Padres did. Padres had like, had like two or three on there, on their, you know, maybe I think they've had at some point during the season, maybe like one homegrown player. On their on their twenty six man. Yeah, right now it says that they have nine homegrowns, ten free agents, and twenty three acquired via trade. That's that's such the yeah. opposite of the White Sox. Yeah, and that's you know that's uh, a lot of those guys that haven't been majors yet. So, I mean, it was just it, 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 that's what happens when you decide. All right, we're going for it. Um, the Rays trade for a ton of their guys, and, and you know I think you can look at that and go, I thought they were like a team that holds on, you know, develops you know young talent and this and that. But yeah, that. that the, the cool thing I would like to do, figure out a really good way to do it, to do it is, is, um, you know, cause if you look at trades, like, like 27 trades, 20, that's insane. that Tampa Bay has that. Yeah. And, and that's been a, and that's been a couple of years. They, they, and that's the thing is they, they make a lot of trades and, and it's not like they're trading their young players for high priced veterans. They will and deal a lot. And they, 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 they have, when you have these, this really good farm system, which the Padres had, which the Rays had, those are all, you know, you, you look at them as they have, you know, they have a really high value based on a lot of that is based on, you know, just not having failed at the big league level yet. And so you look at those guys and you go, wow, what can this guy be? And I think, I think you can really take advantage of that because once they get to the majors and you see their flaws, um, I mean, let's, you know, I, I think the perception of Andrew Vaughn right now is like, yeah, nobody's going to be talking about him as much this off season, because um, if you look at his overall numbers, you know, yeah, he, you know, he was all right. Um, he, he struggled really bad down the stretch, but before he came to the majors, it was like, Oh, this guy's going to be a stud. He's going to be, he's going to be really good. And so people aren't going to talk about him as much less hype. And then, but if, if you, if you saw him, what he was doing in the middle of the season, go, okay, let, let's, let's, uh, if he can do that for four out of the six months during the season, then then we got something here, and that's that's probably going to be the case with somebody somebody as talented as him. So it would be really interesting to to kind of track, you know, those twenty seven players acquired by the Rays who were on their forty man, just track you know, how many of their young players they traded away, and those are all guys that they draft. A lot of those guys were drafted, uh, signed out of the Dominican or Venezuela. So they're just doing a really good job of, of taking those 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 minor league assets and trading them to to, to improve the big league club. So it's all um, it, it does it does tell a lot of the story, but not not all of it, unless you can kind of trace back 
and see who they traded away to get these guys. Jason Martinez, he's from Roster Resource Fan Graphs. Uh, it does a great job putting all this stuff together. You could just sit around and trust me, Jason, there's been times where I just have your page up while we're discussing the team. And it's really a quick reference for me to be able to kind of look at what I'm talking about, confirm that, you know, what I'm saying is true about the the player or the team or the makeup. And it gives you a really great picture of not only your team, but how other teams are stacked up at any given moment in Major League Baseball. If you want to expand your baseball mind and your knowledge, go check that out and follow Jason on Twitter at Jason R.R. Martinez. Uh, He's a good follow because he'll put up all these different updates to the depth charts, give you all kinds of different links. If you're on the Twitter, follow Jason Martinez. Thanks so much for jumping on with us, Jason. Anytime, Chris. Thanks for having me. Do not forget about the $1,000 guest bounty we're doing here at Sox in the Basement. We're starting to line up the first few guests that you'll probably hear coming up here in November. It runs all the way through the off-season, and you can get in anytime you want to. Just contact us through SocksInTheBasement.com. Tell us about the guests. Tell us who you know. And if they turn out to be the guests that everybody loved coming on the show, you win $1,000 from Elite Benefits of America. Check out everything that they do over there for small and mid-sized companies. They're trying to help people spend less on their health insurance. They're trying to help the employer and the employee. If you work at a company and you do HR, you can look like a hero. Tell your boss about Elite Benefits of America. Check them out at EliteBenefits.net or give Butch Zemar a call, 708-535-3006. Ed, back with me on the next episode after this weekend is over. If you've missed an episode, go back and listen to it anytime. We're found anywhere. Podcasts can be found and always at SocksInTheBasement.com. Bye-bye, everybody. Socks in the Basement. Socks in the Basement. Socks in the Basement. Socks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on SocksInTheBasement.com.